0: trust the movement, I negate the chaos, uplift the negative, I'll show up at
1: the table again and
0: again. Welcome to Grassroot Ohio, conversations with everyday people working on important issues here in Columbus and all around Ohio. I'm Carolyn Harding, and today I'm talking with Randy Pokladnik and Dustin White, both alarmed and working to raise awareness about the huge plastics petrochemical hub buildup along the Ohio River, euphemistically referred to as the Appalachian Storage Hub. Our first guest is Randy. She was born and raised in the Ohio Valley in Toronto, Ohio, a small town just north of Steubenville, Ohio. She has degrees in environmental engineering, chemistry, and a master's and doctorate degrees in environmental studies. She is a retired research chemist and an educator. She writes and volunteers for Ohio Valley Environmental Coalition, and her main concerns are air, clean air, water, and climate change, and getting plastics and toxic chemicals out of our lives. Welcome, Randy.
1: Hi, how you doing?
0: So good to have you on Grassroot.
1: I'm I'm glad to be here because this is a topic we really need to um, get out there and people need to understand what's really going on.
0: I feel the same way. This is my third show on this issue, and I just feel like most Ohioans do not know where all this fracked gas is going on these pipelines headed straight over in that direction into eastern Ohio. So I just want to... Refer, um, having just seen the true life movie, Dark Waters, with Mark Ruffalo, about the Cincinnati attorney, Robert Blott, a, um, who took on, the, on DuPont for willingly poisoning thousands of residents of Parkersburg, West Virginia's water, with forever chemicals. And I read your Columbus Dispatch letter to the editor, which was entitled, Dark Waters Nightmare Happening Here in Ohio. Can you tell us what you mean by this comparison?
1: well, I, I think with um, the buildup of the petrochemical industry, we could become um, the the same type of region that is uh, going on right now in the Louisiana Cancer Alley, where people um, live right up against commu- communities are up against these huge petrochemical plants that manufacture um, persistent organic pollutants. And not only the pollutants that they will get uh, indirectly through water and maybe eating fish, but air pollutants. And and then in general, this doesn't do anything to move us away from the petrochemical industry and towards a, a clean, greener type of um, industry in the valley. Instead, it moves us closer towards polluting industries and industries that will also affect climate change.
0: So let's um, just rewind just a little bit Um, This is, we're talking about the Appalachian Storage Hub, and many of our listeners maybe didn't catch the first two. Can you kind of describe to our listeners what this is? Well, it's
1: right now where we live um, in the tri-state region, um, the fracking industry has just exploded, and there is a lot of cheap fracked gas, which is basically ethane and methane. And right now, the methane is being used as a fuel source, but the ethane will be used to supply feedstocks to these cracker plants. Um, what they basically do is they'll take the ethane um, molecule and they crack it. And what, what that means is they use a lot of energy and they take the single bonds out, make double bonds, and then they hook them together. So it, it's kind of like the best way to explain it is train cars. So you have monomers that make long-chain train cars that are polymers. And then with that feedstock, which actually looks like little tiny pellets or nurdles, those are shipped to other companies where they extrude it or they make plastics for packaging. And a lot of it, almost 50% of it is single-use plastics. But, but the, they also are using a lot of the byproducts to make petrochemicals and things that, that you would use like to make um, uh, like solvents and paints and um, like polyurethane and, and glues and things like that, that they manufacture right now primarily in Louisiana.
0: And um, tell me, why have you made this your main focus as a retired chemist?
1: Well, I I don't live in the Ohio Valley. I live one county over right now. But most of my extended family lives still in the, the Ohio Valley in Steubenville, Weirton, uh, Marietta, all up and down the Ohio River. And I also have two granddaughters that are going to be, you know, in college pretty soon. But uh, I don't want them to be exposed to these uh, compounds. And I don't want them to grow up in a world where the climate is is just out of control. And, you know, these factories, in addition to putting out air pollutants uh, that are organic, they also put out massive amounts of carbon dioxide. And the people in the valley, we're not stupid i mean i grew up in the valley i lived a mile and a half away from the browns island coke plant so i know all about chemical compounds i worked in the steel industry um i'm aware that industry is you know always been a polluter on the ohio river but this is just going to exacerbate an already bad situation with the ohio river being the most polluted river in the united states right now
0: Now you mentioned something about Cancer Alley and some people even call it Death Alley. Why would these cracker industrial complexes, um, how do they impact the local communities, water, air, soil, etc.?
1: Well, the the main um, thing that they'll do is they'll they'll put in uh, hazardous organic pollutants. They have, you know, a permit to do this. So it's kind of crazy when you think about a permit a permit basically says you're allowed to put pollution in the air you have to keep it under this limit but you're still allowed to put pollution in the air so they are allowed to put so much pollution into the air and whenever they get these permits they are done individually so no one takes into account that the river valley already is prone to inversions plus there are other facilities along the river and they have plans for up to five or six cracker plants. If if they get their way, so people are going to be exposed to this every day, not just uh, through air and water, but it's going to eventually get into the food chain from farmers and and dairy, you know, farms and other places around the area that raise products that people eat that are directly impacted from air and water pollution. And it's, it's just going to escalate the amount of exposure the local residents get, just as it has done in the Louisiana Cancer Alley.
0: Can you explain what inversion means? Um, I don't know what that means.
1: Uh, where we live in the Ohio Valley, um, because of the topography, we have, you know, a big dippy valley that goes all along the Ohio River. And uh, sometimes, especially in the fall, you get um, a, a cap of cold air trapped between warm air and it's just like putting a lid on a Tupperware container and then just creating pollution inside the Tupperware container with nowhere to go that air's trapped uh, a famous incident of that was before I was born in 1948 Genora PA uh, had an inversion and they had a zinc smelter that just you know had lots of pollution into the air all during the days of this inversion. And people died and hundreds of people were sickened. It made the news. Um, it's a pretty historic event for that region. But they have the same type of topography that the Ohio Valley has. And, and this just lends itself to creating um, hazardous air pollution incidents.
0: And you said that the um, um, the petrochemical hub is um, planning on five different cracker plants? I've heard plants. five. I've
1: heard, yeah, I've heard five. I've heard up to six uh, no one's really sure. Uh, it's hard to get any concrete details, but we know right now, of course, the one in Manac is being constructed, and um, you know we're we're you know hopeful that the one in Belmont County that's planned won't go through. But those are the two right now that we're focused on.
0: And the one in Belmont County is the PTT Global Global Cracker Plant. Y- yes, that's the one. And um, who is funding and how is that being you know? Who is funding that and how is it happen- Who owns it?
1: Well, right. I mean, I don't know all the fin- financial ins and outs, but I, I know that, um, you know, it's a Thailand-based corporation, and um, they've gotten lots of um, state funding through um, the uh, program that gets taxes from liquor, and they've gotten, um, you know, some grants. And they are right now in the process of trying to get, I believe it's a, a, a it's a grant from the Department of Energy. It's underneath of a green energy program, but the reason that they say they qualify is because they won't be bringing plastics in and using fossil fuels to import them from Asia. We'll be able to make our plastics right here locally. So that's kind of a hook they're using to try to get these, um, you know, cheap loans from the federal government under a green energy program.
0: So all this frack gas is being turned into. Cracked into ethane and then made into these nuggets of um, plastics. And um, as we're finding out, a great majority of our recycled plastics aren't even being recycled. And they're being, China's no longer accepting um, our recyclables. And now they're ending up in Southeast um, Asia's um, smaller countries in little villages. I've seen, I've seen documentaries about this. And then or else right. they're landing up in gyres or islands of plastic in the middle of the ocean. And where mm-hmm. where all the seafood, the, the turtles and whales and fish are eating, mistaking it as food.
1: Right, right.
0: So why and would I, I? I'm sorry. Why would Ohio put so much of our tax monies, um, which is from Jobs, Ohio, to produce more of this kind of plastic?
1: Yeah, I, I really, I really don't have any idea, and and I've told people, you know, I've I've been an environmentalist since I was 17, and uh, the first battle I got into was over a paper mill, uh, but then I went on and and got um, my chemistry degree, and and even though you know I wasn't involved in environmental stuff, every single year of my life. Pretty much most of my life since I was 17, there's been something that my husband and I have been involved in fighting. And this this issue, this plastics issue and these cracker plants, this has to be by far the most disturbing because it touches everyone on the planet. And, you know, a toxic waste incinerator, you know, like the one up in East Liverpool, that's bad. And that affects the local community for sure. And it isn't something you want in your backyard. But this industry pervades every aspect of our lives. And when you read on, on peer-reviewed studies how they're finding it in the deepest depths of the ocean, they're finding it in, in uh, phytoplankton, they're finding it in the Arctic, it's, it's everywhere, literally it's everywhere. And people just don't understand this doesn't break down. This breaks up into tiny pieces. But there's not really any enzyme that can do any major damage on breaking the bonds in the polymers. So it's with us forever. It's kind of similar to a termite eating wood and us eating wood. We could eat wood. It would go in one end and out the other. A termite eats it, and a termite has an enzyme in, in its structure that can digest it. It's the same way with plastics. There is no naturally occurring Enzyme or bacteria that can readily break this down. They're experimenting, but right now, if you see the volume of plastics everywhere, I mean, it would take it's something short of a miracle to try to get a microbe or an enzyme that would break this down.
0: So, as a chemist and a concerned um, grandmother or mother, um, what are the biggest concerns? The endocrine disruptors in the plastics, the plasticizers. What? What is the most worrisome of the chemistry? I, I,
1: I think it's, I mean, it's, It's you know, all aspects because a lot of the compounds that they use as plasticizers uh, include um, flame retardants and the same compound that was in dark waters, the PFOAs, uh, but they also have bisphenol A and and, you know, the human body, is easily fooled and during puberty and even in the womb these compounds can can get into our bodies and they can plug in to the receptors that turn on and off endocrine disruptions so they literally can demasculinize uh, an organism in the womb and they've shown these studies to be true where they've injected uh, like a female rat that has we'll say like seven offspring and maybe four are males and three are females as they inject this compound throughout the pregnancy, they can turn the males into females. And we know just by studies globally that our sperm counts have dropped by 50%. There are more and more people that have fertility issues that are in their 20s. It's no longer just an issue of somebody that's in their 40s. So, so we, we're you know actually contributing to our own demise by just completely obliterating our planet with plastics and plasticizers.
0: So, um, Randy, How can we as citizens help stop this invasion in the eastern part of Ohio? I see you are speaking on a panel at an event on Saturday, which is produced by the concerned Ohio River residents um, on a special pre-release of the screening of the movie, The Story of Plastic, at the Grave Creek Mound Museum Strand Theater in Moundsville, West Virginia. Um, is, um, can you give people a website or a link where they can find out more information?
1: Well, I would, I would go to the I, – I thought I had it up on my computer, here, but the Concerned Ohio River Residents has a Facebook page okay. that you can go to. And um, the Ohio Valley Environmental Coalition out of West Virginia, they have a great uh, webpage with articles and all kinds of information and videos that show uh, some of the problems with the, the storage hub. And uh, they actually have a fracking video that are they're very easy to understand. I, I think if I were going to tell people something to do, I think I think we need to step back. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 65. So I grew up at the beginning of the plastics era. And since the 1950s, this has just dramatically increased and just exponentially in the last 15 years, people need to really think about the convenience of plastic. Yes, it's nice, it's handy. It does exactly what it's intended to do. It lasts forever, and it's impermeable to most substances. So in some circumstances, it's, it's great, and we can't get rid of all of it because we use it in the medical profession, and we use it in underground pipes that will never rust like the old leaded pipes do. But 50% is used for single-use plastic, so in a few minutes, it's gone. But it's with us forever. And we need to really think, is this convenience worth it, especially when we're packing oil-based foods inside and they're absorbing the plastic that leaches, the plasticizers that leach out of of the plastic components itself. And I don't think people are aware. If if you just saved up, and I used to do this with my students, just save all the plastic, don't think about it consciously, that you use in one week, you would be amazed at how much plastic we use. And most of it is for foods, packaging foods. And so much of it's unnecessary. So I, I think we just we have to rethink our whole way of living to get ahead of this problem. If, if we don't, um, you know, I see it's like a snowball rolling down the hill and, and we're taking, you know, our lives, you know, at, you know, at risk and also risking the organisms that live on the planet with us. And, you know, we're, we're going to start crashing food chains in the ocean because of this.
0: Well, thank you so much, Randy. That's our time, and I appreciate all the hard work. Good luck on your um, panel, and uh, we'll make sure folks get those websites so they can um, be in touch with you. Thanks so much.
1: Okay, thank you so much for doing
0: this. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Bye. This is Grassroot Ohio, 94.1 FM, Columbus, and streaming worldwide at WGRN.org. For this portion of our show, I'm talking with Dustin White a special coordinator with the Ohio Valley Environmental Coalition, or OVEC, which is headquartered in Huntington, West Virginia. Dustin grew up in southern West Virginia's coal fields and has roots to the area going back 11 generations. He began his work with OVEC as a volunteer and later on staff fighting mountaintop removal coal mining. In 2014, he worked to get emergency relief to communities impacted by the West Virginia water crisis when the petrochemical company, MCHM, burst from its holding tank above the public water intake in Charleston, West Virginia, leaving 300,000 residents in nine counties without water for weeks. Now he works on what is the newest threat to Appalachia's health, safety, and vitality, a proposed petrochemical mega-complex known as the Appalachian Storage and Trading Hub in the Upper Ohio River Valley that would impact air quality and threaten the drinking water of over 5 million people, all for the primary purpose of manufacturing new single-use plastics. Welcome, Dustin.
2: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Tell our listeners why you chose to volunteer and work for OHVEC.
2: So I first started volunteering with OVEC when a mountaintop removal coal mine uh, nearly destroyed the 200-year-old graves of my ancestors, and that's really when I had my eyes opened up to just how egregious these fossil fuel companies were and the practices that they were doing, and I started doing my research and found out that I was outliving people I had played with as a child because they were being poisoned from coal mining pollution, um, that was really what propelled me into this work. And it's been kind of downhill from there, so to speak. So, uh, I really had my eyes opened up and now, uh, it's, it's my passion. I believe that no one should come into this world or leave it without the promise of clean air or clean water.
0: The water, um, crisis was personal for you. Your father was impacted by the crisis, right?
2: Yes. Um, the day that the water crisis happened, um, We were at the hospital learning that there would be no treatment for his cancer. Uh, He had been diagnosed with cancer just a couple of months before, and it was terminal. Mm -hmm. And the day that that happened, we had learned that there would be no treatment. He was in severe pain, um, bed fast, and we got home only to discover that we could no longer use the water. So my father, who was a retired coal miner and Vietnam veteran, spent the last weeks of his life without access to clean water.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry. That co- that comes very close to home, and um, and most of us folks who are activists get it at a very visceral level. I would like to ask you, from where you know where you are now in your work with um, with OVEC, what is the scope of this new petrochemical hub coming in?
2: So with this petrochemical hub, uh, often referred to in the media as the Appalachian Storage and Trading Hub, I cannot stress how much that this thing is a monster. Um, As proposed, it is over 500 square miles of the Ohio River Valley. It spans from Manacca, Pennsylvania to Catlettsburg, Kentucky, and will encompass over 50 counties in Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Ohio, and a small sliver of Kentucky. Wow.
0: And who is driving this um, This huge, I mean, is it the governors? Is it the um, energy department? Are it the international corporations? Or is it all of the above?
2: It's pretty much all of the above. Mm-hmm. This thing, this monster is kind of the brainchild of a group called the Appalachian Development Group uh, that is here in West Virginia. They have been the ones who have been really steering the idea of this thing, but it is getting a lot of support both in the states um, from local politicians and federally. Uh, the Trump administration and the departments under that administration are doing everything they can to prop up this, this monster being built here in our region.
0: Can you tell me, is there other industry trying to happen in your, in your areas? Because a lot of this um, buildup is happening in areas that are in desperate need of jobs. Are there any other alternatives for folks that are looking for jobs?
2: Well, we absolutely see that there is potential for alternatives. Um, there, there's a lot of hope and uh, innovation that could be brought here. Um, but the biggest reason why they are pushing this petrochemical complex is because they have identified that, yes, the, the market woes that the coal industry has been having, it seems to be kind of the twilight of that industry, so they are promoting this as the replacement of the coal industry. Um, and that's why the, the politicians have immediately jumped on board. So instead of them trying to investigate and stimulate other, other forms of economy, they want to jump right into another, another fossil fuel-based economy that's going to be requiring a finite resource that's going to have all of our economic eggs in one basket that is going to be subject to a boom-and-bust economy that's eventually going to finally bust, like the coal industry, and leave us right back in the same situation that we are in.
0: Are you finding that the local people are um, onto this and are willing to work hard to bring in more um, sustainable energy or new um, industry that is not so detrimental to our climate, or um, are they taken in by the, by the stories by the industry?
2: I would say it's a pretty split um, split population. Some folks really want to go gung-ho with the idea of this petrochemical hub because it is sort of the instant gratification of possible jobs immediately. Um, but there are a lot of other folks on the ground who are working on solutions that would be the alternative, whether it be hemp hemp farming, um, some type of sustainable energy product. Uh, a lot of different a lot of different ideas out there um but we have to have the, the the support and the backing of those who are quote in charge in our political system to really stimulate that form of economy and we need to have a diverse economy for us to have a sustainable economy so relying on just one one mono economy like uh, a fossil fuel driven economy is going to be something that is just going to be detrimental in the long run.
0: Tell me, Dustin, who are your allies um, in West Virginia, in Ohio? Who are your allies helping you uh, fight this huge um, petrochemical hub?
2: So we actually have a very long list of allies that have stepped up to help us in this fight. Mm -hmm. Um, We have groups in Pennsylvania and Ohio and West Virginia, and we're starting to pull in some folks from Kentucky as well. Um, And we have recently come together to form a regional coalition. Mm. We call it the People Over Petro Coalition. Excellent. And folks can find out about that at peopleoverpetro.org. So we have come together. We currently have over 22 members. And some of those are also national groups as well. So we have national or international and national support as well.
0: Peopleoverpetro.org? Yes. Excellent. Um, we'll make sure we get that on um, our, our Facebook page, Grassroot Ohio Facebook page. Yes. And um, I, okay. I've got a curi- I'm curious, what victories have you celebrated so far in this fight?
2: So far, um, we have had several if you want to call them victories of just kind of slowing down the process. Um, This thing was geared to ramp up very quickly and it seems like it has kind of idled back a lot. Um, Some of it even came in the form of some of the companies that were planning infrastructure projects have already had some financial issues and had to back out. Um, But we have also managed to get at least one piece of legislation on our side and on the federal level that would help hopefully hinder this project from getting the Title 17 Department of Energy Loan Guarantee, which is a loan guarantee that's supposed to only go to clean energy projects. Mm -hmm. Um, But but this petrochemical hub has applied for it, um, so we are working to stop them from getting that money. And it should be noted that they are attempting to tap a lot of taxpayer dollars to build this thing in the form of this Department of Energy loan and plus state revenue they're looking at in each state to throw at this beast to try to bring it to fruition. So people, the the average person is going to be on the hook financially with their tax dollars as well.
0: Well, Dustin, we have about 30 seconds. Can you um, give folks again your website?
2: Sure. You can find OVEC at www.ohvec.org. Uh, and feel free to email me directly if you have any more questions. It's Dustin at OHVEC.org. Um, we would love to get you plugged in. Uh, I, I have great hope that we can stop this monster and protect the, the downstream and upstream uh, community members who would be impacted by it. So folks in Cincinnati actually get their water from the Ohio River and they are in jeopardy for everything that they're building upstream. So we definitely want folks in Ohio to call Governor DeWine and tell them to stop the PPT Ethane cracker plant from being built. And if folks would also like to become a member um, of the People Over Petro Coalition, just go to the website, read our values document and sign on and you can become a member.
0: Thanks so much. You've been listening to Grassroot Ohio, 94.1 FM, WGRN.org. We air Friday nights at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you can listen to all our previous shows archived on the top post of our Grassroot Ohio Facebook page. There's a time to listen and learn, a time to organize and strategize, and a time to stand up, fight back.